It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. We all want to feel beautiful in our own skin, but sometimes that's easier than others. For example, I've always had good skin, but that was until I developed acne in my mid-20s and I literally felt like I was wearing somebody else's face. I was afraid to go out without makeup, I was confused as to why my skin was suddenly betraying me, but I finally got it under control after a few years with the help of some key professionals. So needless to say, I'm super excited to interview today's guest because this woman is making a big impact, especially in the world of skincare and self-care. Megan Griffin is the founder and CEO of Skin Farm, an in-clinic treatment center and at-home skincare brand that improves your skin, mood, confidence, and life. Now, not only has she spent the last few years shattering ceilings and creating a name for herself in a male-dominated industry, but she's also fighting to change the beauty standards in an effort to make them a result of what they always should have been in the first place, confidence. Now, Megan has clinics across the country. She knows how to leverage the power of social media to create a viral brand presence, and she shatters her own ceilings while she helps other women break the barriers of their own. So today she's here with us on Success Stories and we are so excited to get to chat with her. Megan, thank you for joining us here. I can't wait to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me on, Madison. I'm excited to chat. Okay. So for people who are new to meeting you, I'm really excited to share your story and the big impact that you've made both in the world of skincare, but also to women everywhere. So why don't we start off by talking a little bit about Skin Farm, how you founded Skin Farm, and tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I am a nurse practitioner. I um, went to school for in my undergrad to become a registered nurse, worked in the ICU for two years, and then went back to school to receive my master's to become a family nurse practitioner. Um, and during that time, I worked in plastic surgery um, here in Nashville at a local plastic surgeon's office who focused on reconstructive surgery. Um, I was brought on initially really to help with like pre-op, post-op, and then even worked in the OR with him for a little while. And um, during that time of my employment with him, he also employed a dermatologist who um, focused on general dermatology. So think of like head to toe skin exams and treating skin cancers and all the funky skin rashes that come in. So I had great exposure to um, just general skin during that time. So I have a background in both um, general dermatology and plastic surgery, um, which I'm so grateful for because I feel like seeing both sides of this industry, just cosmetic in general, um, I was able to really hone in on what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, and that really inspired me to open Skin Farm. And so Skin Farm is a cosmetic dermatology practice. I opened it in 2017 and we opened our flagship here in Nashville in 2019. Um, prior to that year, we started our skincare line in 2018 and we grew into the Atlanta market opening in Buckhead in 2020. And we just opened in your hometown in Dallas in the Turtle Creek area, um, like four to six months ago now in June. So yeah, lots of growth in just a few years. Okay. 100% going to be checking that out because that's way too close to where I live to not go and get a facial and try skin farm myself. But, um, so super excited about the Dallas office, but so Megan, your mission and part of what you do is you give women the ability to be their own 
providers, right? Can you tell us Absolutely. a little bit about how that started and why, you know, that has, how that's driven you to grow your business as rapidly and quick as you like have? Yeah. So the, the mission behind my true labor of love skin farm um, was to start something that I was seeking as a patient. So during that time, um, the, during the time that I was practicing in plastic surgery and dermatology, I did notice that there wasn't really anywhere that I would want to go to receive services as a customer. Um, so that was a huge driving force behind starting Skin Farm. But then the other reason was really because I was trying to create this career for myself and the future women of Skin Farm to also um, be able to practice um, to their fullest ability. So all of the providers here are either an NP or PA, like myself being a nurse practitioner, which means that um, they've gone to school for anywhere from six to eight years. So upon graduating, we have this expectation of being able to um, diagnose and treat and prescribe and create a plan to take care of these patients long-term. So in this case, to um, take care of these long-term skin concerns and really guide the patient for years to come, not just quick visits. Um, and also to not be an extension of providers, whether it be physicians, but to have this autonomy that we um, are licensed to have through our training and education. So it was really this dream of providing autonomy, but also a lot of collaboration because we know that through collaboration, that's how we're able to provide the absolute best, best care to our patients. Okay. So in like this industry, I, I, you have to tell me because I don't know enough about it, but would you say that this is a male dominated industry, the whole skincare pharmaceutical concept? Um, it is thankfully shifting. I okay, think good. that historically it was. And I don't, you know, I don't think we see that only in this industry. I think we've seen the lingerie industry, the jewelry industry, where I think at some point it clicked and we were like, oh, wait, it's mostly female customers. So we should probably have more um, women run businesses. So thankfully, that's definitely taking place in um, the aesthetic medicine industry. Um, with us starting in 2017, I've actually seen a, a wave of many more um female-run practices opening, and I'm here for it. I love to see it. I, You know, at Skin Farm, we treat males, but I'd say it's still, I mean, it might be 2 to 5% of patients. I mean, the, the patient base is predominantly female, so it makes a lot of sense for it to be mm -hmm. run by women who are the actual patient. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, when you're part of that shift, like you said that there's been a big shift recently, when you're part of that, you know, it, especially in the beginning, it might not be as easy like as if you're tacking on at the end of that shift, right? And so you have to have a lot of resilience and confidence when you're working to kind of shatter those ceilings and make your place in that world. Could you tell us a little bit about like your experience when you first started opening all of your skin farm concepts and maybe how you had to practice resilience and everything yourself? Yeah. I mean, so thankfully... I've mostly been met with support from other males. Um, I think it helps that my husband is my main supporter. Um, and, and then, I mean, other colleagues. So we work with um, collaborating physicians, um, and each of them happens to be a male, and they've been nothing but supportive. Um, they're some of our biggest cheerleaders, actually. 
And um, we have one other male employee, and he is also just fantastic and supportive and totally understands the mission of Skin Farm. Um, and then even my previous employer was also just fantastic, um, and he was a male surgeon. I There's definitely some horror stories. And so when I hear those, I think I'm just so grateful for not experiencing those. I hate it for the people that are involved. Um, the world is small. Nashville's small. The industry's even smaller. So mm-hmm. those stories definitely surface and make it around. Um, and it's kind of embarrassing, right? When you hear of, I, I mean, there are some male plastic surgeons who I'm kind of like, it, it's 2021. I'm shocked that I'm still hearing these stories of what we're saying. Um, gosh, one being, I have a, a girlfriend of mine who works in the industry and she was enjoying a charcuterie board. And I'm like, is this a family friendly podcast? Um, he said, what does it feel like to have my meat in your mouth? And I was like, that is repulsive. Yeah, your face. <laughs> and <laughs> and just like such an abuse of power. Um, and then there's definitely been, you know, some stories of other male um, clinicians in town who have been concerned about Skin Farm. Um, but for us, you know, we just kind of, I think, the first few times it happened, you it might have been a little bothersome, but then I think we quickly realized that the more successful we are, the more people are going to be concerned about what we're doing. And we do things our own way. And I think for other people, they don't like that. But for us, our focus is always on the patient. So they can be focused on us, but we're not going to reciprocate and be focused on them. I think it's really good that you've been able to develop that layer of tough skin and just kind of move forward the way that you want to do things, regardless of the attention that, you know, people might be giving you, you're saying, I'm just going to focus on my patients. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just going to put my focus where it needs to be. Um, Something I wanted to ask you about, I'm looking at you and you look young. I'm not going to ask your age because this is a podcast, but I know that there is like a stigma around like being young and starting your own businesses and people might not take you as serious. So a lot of women, a lot of people who maybe feel like they're ready to take the leap into their own, you know, entrepreneurship journey, kind of steer away from it if they haven't heard us like hit a certain point in their career or a certain age. Is that something that you faced? And like, how did you go about it if you did? Um, I don't, well, first of all, I'm an open book and I feel like it would be really bad for me to hide my age in this industry. I need to be, um, open. So I am 33. Um, and I started skincare at 23, started Botox at 24. So I've been doing it for quite some time. So hopefully it's just paying off. Um, but in regards to starting the company, I never really felt like I was too young to be starting the company. I really feel like what helped me and taking that leap of faith was the um, the patient base that I had. So again, I think it just all comes down to support. Um, I felt very supported by the clients that were already coming in to see me and that trusted me. And I had such a vision for what I wanted to provide them from the menu of services to the playlist that would be playing to the furniture that they would sit on while waiting to come in to see me in the treatment room. And it I was so excited about that. And I thought if they're willing to come and see me now, then I think they'll definitely be willing to come and see me in the future once I get to build out this practice that I have in mind for them. Um, That and for us, uh, my husband's a numbers guy. Um, He's a CPA. And we definitely 
looked at what I was doing. We, we looked at the numbers and I think what we finally came up with was, okay, this is what I would need to do to break even. And that was the goal at the time. I mean, we really thought, okay, if I can break even and have this lifestyle and, and be fulfilled and, um, give women the experience that I'm really wanting to give, then let's do it. So, um, we did more than break even and I'm so thankful for that, but I, I wouldn't let, um, age hold you back. It's a good answer. Cause I feel like a lot of people, you know, age is kind of held against them. So just to move forward anyway, if you're ready, if you're at that point in your life and your career where you realize like, wow, I could really make more money or, you know, go further into the career path that I want to go into. If I just go out on my own, just to go ahead and do it, despite where you are, what other people have done before you and yada, yada, yada. But okay. So Megan, something I want to talk to you about a little bit more on this podcast is like the standard of beauty, how that plays into women, how that plays into skin farm and everything. So first I want to get your definition of beauty. What does that word mean to you? So we were, we focus a lot on, um, improving confidence, which improves your mood, which improves your life. Right. And it's probably not the first time that you've heard this. Um, but I really do believe for me, um, the standard of beauty is really about, um, looking as good as you feel and even vice versa, feeling as good as you look. Um, so I really hope for, um, as an industry for us to move towards building this connection between the, um, between the internal and external health. Um, I look at us as, more than a cosmetic derm practice or more than even this beauty brand, which we've become, but we're really in this health and wellness space. And I feel like potentially even in the mental health space, I mean, we've seen there's research supporting um, that when you like what you see or who you see when you look in the mirror, that that can help positively affect other areas of your life. So not only do we have research to support that, but we have patient testimonial over patient testimonial telling us this too, which is the huge driving factor behind us continuing to want to grow and scale Skin Farm because we feel like we have something just so important to share. We're hoping to honestly touch everyone. You know, I think a lot of people have like a bad misconception on what these skincare, like, entities do like it's Mm -hmm. almost like they just push filler and push botox they push injections and that's not Mm -hmm. what it is at all like like you said like there's like a level of like confidence and like almost like a comfort in your mental health when you can look in the mirror and be happy with what you see and i'm sure a lot of what you guys deal with is things like rosacea acne you know Mm -hmm. things that really you know can be a detriment to how you view yourself in the mirror and like you help these people clear their skin become more confident and become more beautiful you know like with the way they see themselves yeah. not necessarily about how other people see them right absolutely it should never and we say this time and time again it should never be about other people it should always be about you and i feel like we do a really good job of that in the room and if we ever are um, sensing that it might be that they might be requesting these services for someone else. Um, we're more than willing to have that conversation with them and remind them that this really needs to stem from something that they want to do for themselves. Um, and then, so you discuss rosacea and yes, we treat, um, acne and rosacea and melasma. And then really the aging process is how I like to discuss, um, our menu of services. And acne is one of the absolute most rewarding things that we treat at Skin Farm. Um, we know that there are huge 
Um, there's a huge psychological impact on acne um, and that can start early in the adolescent years, which are already tough anyway. Um, and I really, and rosacea is the same way. I mean, flushing can be really embarrassing for people. Um, and then the aging process is just another chronic skin disorder that we treat. And we happen to treat that with Botox and filler. But we really try to approach it and how I mentioned and diagnose it and create a treatment plan and plan on following these patients long-term for the rest of their lives rather than just injecting them with, with lip filler if that's what they request and they come in, but actually looking at the face as a whole and maybe saying, I know that you're requesting lip filler today, but I actually really think if we injected this area, it would help create harmony in the entire face and then all of your areas could actually complement each other. Um, that's what we're known for. And I feel like there are other people that have started doing that too, which I'm really happy for, but I'm hoping to see the industry as a whole start doing that. What do you think of like, you know, the, I guess, theory phenomenon that everybody kind of wants to look the same and that's the way that like beauty is, you know, transitioning. I, I mean, like people like see like, oh, I have to have this exact look. Do they ever come to mm -hmm. you and, and ask you to like, do that. You have a look on your face. I have a feeling the answer is. Unfortunately, yes. It's not that often. And when they do, um, then we turn to the patient and ask them what they love about themselves. And we discuss their features and that they are, as cheesy as it might sound, that they are unique and that they have their own beauty. And then we work on enhancing their face. It doesn't hurt to have some of that inspiration. I'm not saying that if you want to bring a photo of cheeks that you just admire or lips that you admire, we are more than willing to look at it, but we absolutely are going to treat the ind individual in front of us. And that is you, not the celebrity on the phone. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, you know, people have the, I don't want to list any names, but that look, you know, they, there's mm -hmm. like a look and it's very generational. I mean, in mm -hmm. my opinion, like 16 to 25 year olds might come in looking for one thing and then 25 yeah. to 35 come in like I want this face I want this face and it's like well you're actually beautiful the way that you are let's enhance your beauty let's clear your skin let's get you comfortable with what you look like in the mirror instead of trying to alter you and shift you to look totally different like somebody else Absolutely. Because how do you feel like I feel like, you know, people are always chasing the next best thing. Like I'll finally be happy when I have this, I'll finally be happy when I look like this, when my lips look like this, when my hair looks like this. And I feel like you're not going to be happy until you're confident, right? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think of that concept? No, I agree with that for sure. I, we don't, I think that it all comes down to the console and just having mm -hmm. that Investing in your patients enough that you're willing to have that consult with them rather than just trying to sell something, actually talking to them about what is going to be best for them. And then they have those expectations, those realistic expectations. So then they kind of know. I mean, some of the running jokes at Skin Farm will be, oh, well, I already know that she's going to tell me no on this because she's not going to overfill my lips, which I love. Like, I am here for the fact that they know that we're going to do what's best for them. I, it's, it's really upsetting when we see some of these distorted faces and I think it's not helping, um, the industry and making these treatments taboo. Um, but as I know, I've said a few times in this podcast, I really do feel like it's shifting. Um, and I would just love to help with expediting that process of not distorting and just enhancing people's natural features. 
I think that's great because like, I mean, your brand does have a really big impact. I mean, if you comparatively put it next to a lot of like small businesses, like you have a small business, but you've managed to take it almost on a viral scale through social media, through like expanding it in different cities and everything. And so like you expanding your mission in turn will have a bigger impact than just on your patients. Right. So, um, we're going to take a quick break right here, but when we get back, I want to talk to you a little bit about business and social media. Okay. So Megan, you, we just talked about how you're expanding in different cities and everything. And one thing I want to talk to you about is how you've managed to leverage social media to grow your business. Because I feel like that's, you know, social media is the new, it's like the new marketing, new advertising, new everything. Right. So you're, you're young, we're young. I feel like when you grew up with social media, it's easier to know how to leverage it, but let's talk a little bit about how social media and how skin farm, you know, used social to help yourself and your business grow. Yeah. Okay. So I started posting on social media in, I mean, it was 2013. So when I very first started in the industry, some of those posts are cringeworthy, but I was doing it. I was like, I got to start putting some of this out there. Um, and we grew our company strictly on social media from 2013, or I should say 2017. I grew my patient base from 2013 to 2017. And then we grew Skin Farms brand awareness from 2017 to 2020 solely on organic social media, which is really largely due to everyone's willingness to create that user-generated content and that word of mouth. Um, And so what's so great about that is it's been so organic. None of it was paid. I think it was just that females were experiencing skin farm and they thought, you know, I should really share this with my friend. Kind of like we do when we're out at lunch and we say, Hey, you know, I found this lip balm that I really think you need to try. Or I found this, um, dry hair shampoo that I really need you to try. But thankfully they were going online and doing it. Um, so that was our primary form of marketing up until last year. And it was all organic, all organic. See, I feel like a lot of people are scared of like organic traffic. They feel like they have to do everything like paid, right? Paid campaigns, advertising, boosted posts and everything. But there's a lot of power in just like leveraging like the advocacy around you. Like you said, your patients that really trusted you, trusted your brand, counting on them to help spread the word and bring people to your page and everything. And social media is one of the best ways that we can, you know, spread awareness, create buzz around our businesses and kind of like generate more popularity. Um, but I like what you said about if you look back on your posts, they're really cringy <laughs> from like 2013. Because no, I think I mean like in regards to the quality, maybe. Right. But I mean, like, I feel like a lot of people are scared to just start. Like they're right. scared to just start. Like they're like, I have to have everything perfect. Like mm-hmm. before I can put like, you know, any videos or content out there, I need to have like X, Y, and Z. And I'm just going to wait until that happens. But like the longer you wait, the longer until it happens. Like you can't, like you can't start perfect. Yes, I I totally agree. You just, you have to start posting. Um, I also will counsel people. I'll say just post and and then hop off, like get off the platform. Do not look at the likes. Do not look at the comments. Of course you should, 
if you're really looking to engage, you should reply to all the comments and be very appreciative and thankful for everyone that is engaging with your post. But I always say, if you're just kind of in a weird, funky space um, mentally, then, you know, go ahead and post. Um, that's a huge part of our job. But then hop off and you just, you have to throw it out there. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the rejection, kind of the fear of rejection keeps people away from it. Mm-hmm. Too. There's good tools yeah. now. So you can turn off, you can turn off your likes though. Oh, you can? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I should know that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, that's some, it's a conversation I just had. So um, definitely a good tool maybe for someone as they're starting up too, and they're not feeling very confident in what they're posting. Yeah. And like I said, like you just have to start from somewhere, like no matter where your business is, you're not going to start off viral, right? Like you've got to start small and grow and just keep doing it. The the longer that you do something, the more that you do something, that much closer you are to being an expert at that thing that you're doing. Like you're not going to start off like perfect. You're going to start off cringy. Like everybody, no matter what it is that you're doing, you're going to start off cringy. Like we're all going to look back and be like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I had feathers in my hair. You know, (laughs) well, you have to see, you have to see, you have to put it out there to see what resonates with people. And and for me, honestly, um, it's really funny. I, I was Brad, my husband was somewhere in Nashville and he, he saw like a group of women looking at one of the videos that I put out. And then they started asking him about the procedures that I do. And I think that's when it clicked for him. And he was like, Oh, this is really working. This is going well, which is also like the first time that he really believed in what I was doing or had interest in it. So I was like, thanks a lot. But um, I think that um, you just have to put it out there. And it, I mean, maybe you leave the likes on so you can actually see what people do like and don't like. But I just think social media is a, a whole nother discussion that I could dive into with you. Let's dive in. Let's dive I, in. Yeah. I mean, I think for social media, it's just, um, God, it's so important. Right. And I I love it and I value it so much, but I also, um, there's some mental health components of it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're putting yourself out there and, um, I just, I think the biggest thing that I like that I try to coach people on is make sure that that doesn't, um, measure your value. Um, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I think like, you know, one of, the biggest things that people struggle with with social media is like comparison. Right. Yeah. And we yeah. know comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah, I know. I think we've yeah. said that on multiple of these podcasts because it's true yeah. and it's like a common really theme is. in the world today is because everybody's sitting there comparing themselves to what they see, you know, like externally. Nobody puts out the perfect, right? No, I, but I was having this shower thought and I was like, I think that we all just need to accept that no one does because, you know, it's okay that people don't get on social media when they're like in the middle of an anxiety attack or, you know, just having a horrible day. Um, and I don't think it's because they don't want to share um, the bad times. I think it's just not natural for us as humans, right? So I think the faster that we understand that it is a highlight reel um, and take it with a grain of salt, the healthier we all will be. I totally agree with that because like, you're right. I mean, there are probably few people in your life that you want to share those like moments with, like those moments of anxiety, those moments of sad, like the stuff that's not good, but that's not something that you necessarily want the world to see, especially if you have like broadcast to broadcast, right? Like, especially if you have like a broad platform. So accepting the fact and like learning, like what I'm looking at isn't everything. Like it's not everything about people's lives or, 
or any of that. But one thing, like another theory, I guess that people have, or like thing that we face today is like social media is fake in the sense of everything's doctored. Like, do you ever see that? Like with skincare, do you ever have people come in and they're like, I want my skin to look like this. And you're like, that's not skin. That's oh, Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. It'll, it, it'll be a filter. I mean, I think that it's important to, you know, I like a filter still. Right. Or I yeah. like, I like beautiful things, um, mm-hmm. whether it's interior design or like a well-plated meal or a, a, a sunset. Like I just appreciate beauty and I don't think we should have to apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there's there's some balance there, and I think that you can use a filter. Thankfully, Instagram has at the top when there is a filter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you can have some raw moments too. And I also – I do try to have honest moments, um, just tough moments in motherhood, and I'll try to post that on Instagram. But again, back to human nature, um, when I am having tough times, I tend to draw a bath or go on a walk rather than mm-hmm. get on Instagram and rant about how – I don't know. There's – probably 20 times I could do it a day, but it's just not, um, not my brand, not what I do. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes total sense. And I think that you're right. I mean, like we can appreciate the beautiful things in life, right. And beauty is subjective. I use filters. Like I'm not like ashamed to admit that. I think some of us like it, you know, and if, if we're having an off day, maybe if my skin isn't looking its best and Mm -hmm. I need to go on camera, I have no shame and throwing on one of those Instagram filters that makes my eyelashes look great and my skin look great. But it's just like, you know, knowing that because that's out there, like you can't sit there, like we talked about earlier, comparing yourself to everybody else, right? Because there is a level of social media that's not 100% genuine and accepting that can help you use it for good, right? Instead of using it to like make you feel bad about yourself or, you know, vice versa. Um, You mentioned that your mom, I didn't, I didn't realize you were a mom. Yeah. I'm a mom to three, um, three under five. Okay. So you're a mom to three. You're an entrepreneur. You have like multiple concepts of skin farm. And so like at success, and I know a lot of other places, we call that a mompreneur. Okay. Um, (laughs) Which I think is like awesome because a lot of people have the misconception that like you have a business or you have motherhood and you Mm -hmm. can't have both, but you can have both. So if you're okay with it, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about managing success and motherhood. Yeah. Um, so I was told that I can't have both. And I think that that was just the fire lit under me that I needed. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say that it comes with a lot of support though. I feel like that's like the key word throughout this entire podcast, but I tried to be super honest about the support that I have. It's very helpful that I have this business with my husband. I do think it would be very challenging if we came home and we had two entirely different careers on our mind or two different passions, it's very helpful that we are both all in on Skin Farm. Um, We also live in Nashville where we have family who is very helpful. Brad's actually born and raised. I've been here for 20 years. So we have a great community here and we have help with childcare. So we have plenty of help, which makes all of this doable. Um, But I also think that becoming a mom really was that moment of empowerment when I was really ready to start skin farm. It happened. I I say that it happened after I had my first child and that's when it kind of clicked that I was ready to take the leap. Do you, why do you think that that's when it clicked? I think that having a kid, I was like, women are a kid having a baby, a newborn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I think that giving birth, honestly, I was just like, women are amazing and they can do anything and I can absolutely have a business. And so do you feel, do you have girls or boys? I have a girl and then a boy and then a girl. So I have a five-year-old girl, a four-year-old boy. He just had his fourth birthday yesterday, my Eli man, and then um, a one-year-old girl. Oh, so cute. I love that. I love the name Eli. That's a really cute name. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you, you have daughters. Do you feel like, like a need to set an example for them as a woman, like in entrepreneurship, like kind of shattering ceilings? Like, do you feel like through your business journey, you're able to show them like, this is all possible and kind of give them the confidence they need to know that they can pursue like whatever avenue of success they want later in life? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm already doing it with Nori. I mean, she's five. So she's still like, I want to be a policeman. And I also want to be a teacher at the same time. And I'm really struggling because I want to be both. And I'm like, (laughs) you can do whatever you want to do. And we have a long time to think about it. Um, And I'm aware that she might, you know, she might not want to be an entrepreneur and she might have no interest in this industry. But I am really thankful that Um, both Brad and I can provide this journal to them, um, that they can, you know, look at these podcasts and, um, press and see what their parents were doing in their early years. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting for them to see. That's so sweet. Do you ever feel like, cause I know a lot of people feel like sometimes they have to abandon one thing to give attention to the other, but like life is about balance. Like you don't have to abandon anything. You can give your attention to two things at one time. So long as you're giving the right amount of attention to that, you know, other focus, like, do you notice that in life? Like what advice would you have to other mompreneurs who are maybe struggling with that balance? Um, So it's a constant push pull. I wouldn't say that it's balanced at all. <laughs> um, I, when I'm at work, I think about the kids. When I'm with the kids, I think about work. Um, it all just, all of the areas um, flood into the other, but um, that's how I love it. I don't know if that would work for everyone, but I feel like the best advice that I could give um, is that balance is just unattainable. And I try to, um, talk to some moms, especially new moms and say, you know, you're going, you're definitely going to feel like you are not killing it in every area. You are going to feel like a certain area is being sacrificed and that's okay because we are probably the only one who notices it. We're super hard on ourselves. Being a modern woman today is absolutely insane. We're expected to be masculine and feminine. We're supposed to be sexy yet humble. We're supposed to be all of the things. And I think that the minute that you realize like just getting by is fine, you're just getting by is probably crushing it. So it absolutely is possible to do it all. I think we just need to show ourselves some grace. I'm glad that you put it like that because I think that you're right. It really is hard to be a modern woman today. Like you have to be all of the things. And if you're not all of the things, like you feel like you're not doing enough. Right. But like, like you said, you're probably crushing it. Like there are people looking at you going, wow, like, you know, she's doing all the things. And yet inside you're like, Hey, there's so much more I could be doing. There's so much more I could be right now that I'm not. And so just accepting where you are and giving yourself grace. Like, is that something? So obviously that's something that you've had to learn for yourself through motherhood and through entrepreneurship. Yeah. With time. It's come with time for sure. With time. (laughs) But we're, yeah, we're our own worst critics. So we need to be nice to ourselves. 
Yeah. Well, Megan, I've really enjoyed this conversation today. I want people to know where they can find you and learn more about Skin Farm and learn more about your business. So where can our listeners learn more about you and maybe even schedule an appointment? Um, you can visit our website. Our website has plenty of information on it. And that's also how you can request an appointment. And our website is skinfarm.com. That's S-K-I-N-P-H-A-R-M.com. And on Instagram, our business handle is skin underscore farm. And my personal handle is Megan Griffin. And that's M-A-E-G-A-N-G-R-I-3-F-S-I-N. Um, and we might also be playing around on TikTok soon. So you'll have to give us a follow there. Oh, so fun. I feel like TikTok is literally the future and everybody's about to dive into it, but whole new ball game. It is a whole new ball game, but it's so fun. Are you on TikTok personally? Um, I am. I need to get back on there. Okay. It's like a wormhole. Like I could spend hours just looking at videos and then realize I've spent hours looking at videos. It's like the new Netflix binging. I don't know. There's there's so many platforms. I've been spending more time on Twitter. I'm just, I'm bouncing between all of them right now. (laughs) Well, um, check out Megan, check out Skin Farm, everybody. Megan, thank you so much for joining us here today on Success Stories. It's been great talking to you about being a woman in entrepreneurship, being a mother in entrepreneurship, the power of social media and confidence, beauty, and so much more. Thank you, Madison. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.